Now, in the earlier days, our predecessors used this service to send foreign missionaries, to lift their eyes to foreign lands, to alien cultures, and the domain of other gods. I want to do the same thing for you this evening, because the only real difference between the class of 2017 and the class of 1917 is that modern missionaries do not need passports. The foreign land is here. The alien culture is here, the domain of other gods are all in our course. Other than that, the issues for missionaries are the same as they've always been. Missionaries have to learn the language of the natives. Learning a new language. Three years ago, you entered, you graduating seniors, entered this excellent and serious learning environment where most of us had to learn to speak and write academically. And that language of disciplined thought and expression opened eyes and ears to wider and deeper truth. You all and this place have done well. But now it's time to learn a new language, the quotidian language of every day. Jesus was a scholar of the ordinary. Jesus took the wide and deep truth of God and rendered it in terms of sheep, coins, patches, crops. Jesus never used a word like quotidian. <laughs> Successful proclaiming is more about what's heard than what's spoken. Your teaching may be wise and solid, but if it's not in the native language, it will be wind. The native language is one of relationships and jobs and money and time crunches and security and things like that. The gospel of Jesus Christ can be explained, can proclaimed in those terms, and believe me, no one will hear it if it is not. The culture to which you go has a primitive tribal base. The divisions among the tribes are often sharp and hostile, as well as defiant. Tribal names are drawn from the language of politics, race, gender, ethnicity, sexuality, and religion. Each tribe has its own symbols that it guards jealously. Great offense is taken if one tribe misuses or appropriates the symbols of the other. Violence in defense of tribal boundaries is becoming more and more common. And to make this system even more complicated for missionaries, individuals often belong to more than one tribe. While the tribal system has a positive role in providing members with definition and support, beyond those benefits, the system has no place in the gospel we preach. The United States has borders. The kingdom of God does not. The care of God has no boundaries. The work of God has no edges. The need for God has no limit. The way of God has no stopping places. There is no us and no them in the kingdom of God. There is no exclusive claims on privilege or persecution. No rights apart from responsibilities. No grace that is not common. 
The kingdom of God treasures the bonds of community, but condemns the barriers of tribalism. Proclaiming such a gospel in such a land is hard, really hard. And that's why God chooses good people like you to do it. The land you go to has strange gods as well as strange tribes. As has always been the case, the local gods come from the elevation of something that is good, the adoration of something that is positive. Good and positive, but not divine. As the ancients before us acknowledged the value of springs and seasons, fertility and forests, hearth and healing, by thinking of them as gods, so in our own day, we have vested the obvious value of STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math, with godlike qualities. And the worship of STEM in our land pays off in many areas, but it binds its adherence, it blinds its adherence to the reality of mystery. It shrivels the scope of ethics to that which is effective and efficient. It only wonders what people can do and never asks what people should do. STEM is a wonderful servant, but a lousy God. There's nothing wrong about the current obsessions with STEM and its amazing miracles, except that when treated as a God, it makes people small. Fixated on the little screen, they miss the big picture. Tied to life's perks, they miss its purpose. Experts in everything that can be measured, they are totally inept in that which can be wondered. They're in great danger of trading truth for toys, eternity for entertainment, and salvation for satisfaction. Proclaiming the wide, deep, and mystical truth of the gospel to people who are in the thrall of narrow, shallow, and quantifiable gods is no mean task. And that's why the wide, deep, and mystical God promises to guide and strengthen you at every step. The mission stations that are waiting the class of 2017 are in many ways smaller than those that awaited the class of 1917. The church that we serve is shrinking, shrinking in size and in influence. And there are many wise people who have suggested reasons for this decline, but to my knowledge, they all have failed to include one of the most obvious. We are boring. <laughs> miracle of the modern church is the ability to turn the wine of Cana back into water. Modern martyrs for the faith are being bored to death rather than set at the stake or fed to life. When we take great truths and separate them from common concerns, they become platitudes. When we hold up powerful sacraments without expectation, they become mere pantomime. There is no reason beyond sloth 
for the mind-numbing drivel that we as a church have been inflicting on our communities because our actual role in the mission field is vital and it's sharp and it's challenging. It's challenging and sharp and vital in this way. All cultures, including ours, set aside repositories for their values. Schools are entrusted with the value of education, hospitals with the value for health, the court system for our respect for law. And long ago, the church was set aside to treasure the value of mystery. Mystery. That's our role. That's what we do in this culture. Our task has been to illumine the purposes that lie behind birth and the hopes that lie beyond death. In that way, we are supposed to be able to provide solid ground for people's decisions, light for their paths, solace for their losses. People are absent from our churches because we have failed in those things. In our hands, the good news of God in Christ has lost out to cartoons, leisurely breakfast, and jogging. We must, as a church, bear the judgment God spoke through Jeremiah about priests who healed the wounds of God's people lightly. The author of Hebrews <coughs> reminds us that the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit. The Episcopal Church uses it like a butter knife. You can do better than that. You can do better than that when you go into all the world to preach the gospel. So go. Go ye into a land that is local but foreign, known but alien. Go to a people seeking great truth in common words. Go to a people divided into angry tribes. Go to a people dominated by servant ideas that presume to be gods. Go to a people whose spirit souls long for the two-edged sword of the gospel. And know for certainty that the Lord of that gospel is with you to guide you, to strengthen you, and to make you a blessing. Amen. Please stand.